Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm Carleen Savage, conflict resolution expert, founder of the Savage Theory of Resolution, and your host. And we are answering our I am fielding questions um, about my husband's brain injury and how we've dealt with it, coped with it, moved forward with it, didn't move forward with it. (laughs) And as a caveat disclaimer, um, this happened in 1994 and there was barely, we were just learning about email forget all the world research that we can find and access through um, Google and YouTube and you know Instagram and TikTok and all the, the places you can go to get information um, wiki and you know blogs and all of the, the things we didn't have it then there weren't support groups there weren't resources there weren't access there wasn't good treatment plans there wasn't it was like a here's what you got have a nice day so as you, as I'm going through and answering some of these questions, and I want to see if I can get them all answered. I, I, it looks like I still have like eight more. Oh. Um, and let me see if I can get them answered. How often do we follow up with a doctor on his progress? It's on demand. Um, if something happens, then we go to a doctor. If, if it gets really out of control from an emotional standpoint or a coping standpoint, then that's when I'll put my foot down and say, you need to get to a counselor and work through this stuff because I, I'm not able to help you see some of those things. And that doesn't mean it doesn't work. That doesn't mean I can't do it. It means he needs a different view and a different delivery system. And that's okay. That's part of the work. That's part of the adjustment. That's part of the life. And that's part of what we all should be doing regardless of injury. Um, Are there any lifestyle changes that would make him recover faster? Um, I think it, it's no different than anything else. Just a good diet, good nutrition, you know, Whole Foods, all of the the things, uh, making sure that he gets out, you know, in the air, which he does. Um, we're so post injury, um, so you know, just making sure he gets out, making sure he gets some social interaction of some sort. Mm, that we have social interaction, that kind of thing. Those are some of the things that we've done. In the beginning, I will say that uh, there more isolated, trying to cope, trying to come to terms with the situation. Like I've said in the previous um, parts, the episodes, um, there is a process to learning how to cope with this. And you have to allow the process. You need to get educated on your own. You need to heal yourself. You need to find the process that's going to work for you so that you can work with them or him or her. Um, And that is an important part of it. Um, is there anything else I can do to help him adjust to life after a brain injury? Um, yeah, relax. (laughs) I think that's for me. Um, that's what I needed to do. Look, we're going to, we're going to have public public faux pas. We're going to have things where I misjudge something. We're going to have things where, you know, I'm just too tired to, to help him cope and he's going to have to figure it out. In public, we're going to have things where we mess up with each other. Um, Just relax. There is a point that you just relax. And um, I have patterned myself into behaving a certain way. So I think the bigger part of that relax is more for me. Um, It's more to the caretaker. You need to relax. It's kind of like a new child that's learning to walk. We get all panicked. We, we, you know, some moms I watch and they literally put their hands 
around them, but don't touch them, but put them around while they're walking in hopes that they don't fall. Well, when they've practiced a few times, they're going to fall. They're going to get bruises. They're going to bump their head. They're going to do all those things. Relax. Do what you can. Be as proactive as you can without becoming a basket case head trip of your own. And I think for me, because there were no other resources, I, I kind of went a little overboard on some of the things I do that I need to learn to relax. So if I could tell you something, I would say learn to relax. That can come through meditating. I know one, one person um, that I met with a long time ago, uh, he gave me this little mini thermometer and he, it, and it was on like this little tiny white card and I held on to that thermometer at the bottom and it would raise my temperature. Um, he said, what I want you to do is breathe and see if you can lower that temperature. And I didn't realize that just taking deep breaths, slow breaths, maybe meditating, but not at that time, meditation wasn't a thing, um, that we were able to, I was able to lower the heat and when you lower the heat internally, you don't boil over. <laughs> I just thought of that on my own. <laughs> Are there any activities or hobbies that would be beneficial for him at this time? Oh my gosh, yeah. You get some of these new apps and new games on, um, on your phone. There's memory games, matching games. Uh, I don't recommend like these fighting games or these fast trigger games um, because it just builds up the anxiety that they already have going on in their system. So I would recommend some of those other games where it's more of um, deleting the three, you know, the three gems, deleting them, seeing how many you can accumulate. Different games like that are great because it keeps them busy. Also, reading helps keep them busy, engaged, mental thinking. Um, I know one person and they read um, about four hours a day and they have the onset of um, Alzheimer's, but they are doing fabulously. And so that's another one, allowing them to learn, take a class, go to your local university, take a class, do a course online. If they don't want to drive or don't want to get out in public, take a course online that interests them, um, you know, having them do activities. In our early days, we were such a hot mess, but I could tell that he needed to do things, so I would assign him like I would assign my kids things to do. Not cool from a husband-wife standpoint, but uh, as I've shared before, we didn't have all the information that we have now. I did not have understanding of conflict resolution or crisis or hostage situations. I didn't have a training in any of that. So, um, you know, it was early days. I had little babies underfoot, um, you know, six, seven kids um, that I was managing too, but I could see that he needed something to engage him. So I would give him, do the laundry, go go make me a sandwich, go, to, and I would do these little things and now I understand that the way I would change that is, let's do this, or let's do that, or, hey, I've got to do these things, can you do that? That would be a lot different than just giving him the assignment. Um, 
because that pushed against his alpha male and the testosterone running through him. <clears throat> so I think to um, help with that activities or get engagement in the activities, there are games online, let them learn, read books, take a class, a course, um, take a walk. I know that we have a little grandchild that we spend a lot of time with now, and he could, takes him out for a walk every day. And I, the way I, the way I frame that is, you know, it's good if he gets out, if the child gets out, can you take him for a walk? And absolutely, my husband is more than willing to do that, but it gets him out too. So it's it's just in how you present it. So I'm still getting him to do things. Um, he would he does a lot on his own. I don't want you to think that he's not. But for me to kind of overall look at the health and welfare of how to help, <coughs> then I frame it differently um, to be able to also help him. So those are the activities and hobbies and ways that I process in order to get things moving. If you ever have a question, just ask.